So hi, my name is Frank Sayano from here, the computer lab. Uh, and this uh, talk, Users Are Not the Enemy, was a famous paper by Angela Sassi. And maybe users can be our best advocate if we do things well. So this is uh, supposed to be a very short talk. In fact, it's going to be two micro talks, or rather uh, a Pico talk, uh, which is about making security desirable, and uh, preceded by even a smaller Femto talk about understanding scam victims, which is something that I uh, talked about first uh, in uh, um, MIT in SHB 2009. This is some work that I did with Paul Wilson, which uh, is related to this famous book by Robert Cialdini on um, how to press people's button to make them do what you want. So the work that we presented a long time ago, just as a summary, um, was to first documented hundreds of scams uh, in the TV program, The Real Hustle, this doesn't seem to work. Okay, I'll just uh, refrain from pointing. Um, and um, analyze them for common themes that would explain the scams, uh, ext extract principles that were based on human behavior, uh, and then use this knowledge to strengthen system security. And the take home message from this work, which uh, two years later made it to comes ACM was that it is arrogantly idiotic to whinge that users are gullible because certain behavioral patterns are actually human nature. They do this because they are human beings, not because they're stupid. And smart system designers want to try to tell them not to do this, but they will uh, prevent the exploitation of what is actually inherently human nature. So follow on from this that I always wanted to explore, maybe now with the project that we have going on with uh, Ross and others, there's maybe a chance to look uh, more deeply into this, is where do these vulnerabilities, which is aspects of uh, human psyche, come from? Some of them actually come from uh, society, from sociology and anthropology, for example, the principle that you obey a figure of authority. Someone puts on a uh, copper's uniform and they tell you to do something, then you do it even if they're a crook. Uh, some others may instead come from evolutionary biology rather than from society. For example, the fact that when you are under time pressure to do something, then you follow some quick heuristic instead of reasoning it through. Uh, and that's, you know, the famous saber-toothed tiger behind you. That you'd, you'd better work out something that works now, satisfying instead of optimizing back to Simon. Uh, and one of the principles in that 2009 work, uh, which maybe is more interesting than others, is this dishonesty principle. This picture here at the top, uh, where it's um, sometimes easier to get someone uh, into a trap of a scam by offering them something that is illegal and they can get away with it. Your larceny is what hooks you, says our principle, and thereafter anything illegal you do will be used against you by the fraudsters. So, um, where does this come from? Is there perhaps some element of a larceny potential inside every one of us, even the most honest people? In fact, if we go back to Plato in the Republic, there's the myth of this uh, ring of Gyges, where uh, Gyges was a shepherd who once found a gold ring in a cave, and he found that with this gold ring he could uh, turn himself invisible. And he used this ring to go into the royal palace and seduce the wife of the king and then murder the king and become the king himself and so on. And so the, what this uh, story says in the Republic is, well, maybe if you had this ring, you gave it to a dishonest man and an honest man, even the honest man would just do the same things as a dishonest man if he knew he could get away with it. Uh, so is there this larceny potential in each of us? Is it equally easy to trigger in everyone or 
do, do people react differently to this? Can we find out experimentally? That would be an interesting thing for me. And so that was the first uh, Femto talk. Now, next is the Pico talk, which is called Pico because uh, the project I'm talking about is also called Pico, although it means something different. Uh, and this is about uh, uh, addressing the issue that passwords are a pain. Uh, they have been described as pick something you can't remember, then don't write it down, and you have to redo that for uh, every one of your 100 accounts. So uh, passwords have uh, notably very poor usability. How about security? That's not great either. Oops, uh, I have a picture of myself here saying something, but uh, it's not seem to be saying something, so I'll just say it myself. That uh, <laughs> 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 uh, I had some, I had some nice, uh, some nice pictures that uh, were coming through. But the, it's that the passwords, uh, in, in terms of security, they can be uh, eavesdropped, they can be brute forced, they can be uh, fished they can be leaked at the verifier and so on and so on. And we have a, a variety of names for just the ways that passwords can be compromised security-wise. Um, the Pico project uh, has the main um, goal to make sure that you can authenticate without having to remember any secrets, because having to remember secrets doesn't scale as the number of uh, accounts you have to work with grows. And so uh, Pico is a kind of memory prosthesis for your credentials. That's why it's called Pico. Pico was a guy who had uh, an incredible memory uh, in the uh, 1600s. Uh, and if this one now starts, I seem to have a problem with embedded videos. Okay, so we'll skip the video and we'll save a minute. Uh, this was just going to show you our envisionment of how uh, Pico works. Uh, and uh, pretend that you have seen someone waving a gadget at the screen and that it logs them in automatically without having to do anything, and also that this device, which holds all your credentials and logs you in, uh, can uh, lock itself automatically as soon as you are uh, not there. If the device is separated from you, then it locks and nobody else can use it because it senses an aura of uh, <coughs> Frank around Frank, uh, which is uh, triggered by things that Frank uh, whereas with him more um, more closely tied to him than this uh, this device, for example, his belt, his glasses, his watch, his shoes, uh, maybe his underwear, taking a hint from the terrorists. Uh, and so, oops, how many people have tried to replace passwords? Well, quite a few. In fact, we did we did some work uh, with uh, uh, Cormac and others on figuring out uh, what happened to other attempts to replace passwords. And they may have made the solution more secure and more convenient, uh, but then the user says, yeah, yeah, but it's just too complicated. It's one more thing to learn. And so we have a problem here uh, that seems to have more and more procedure problems. There's more, more stuff that was supposed to appear on this slide. Uh, and I'll just say it again. Uh, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, says the uh, famous proverb. Uh, and I got some advice a long time ago, which I think is relevant here. This is all wrong. It's wrong. It's not your job to make them drink. Your job is to make them thirsty. So we are designing <laughs> prototypes for this Pico device. These are some things that my associate, Janice, who's over there, uh, has done out of plasticine. Uh, these are uh, potential... Uh, embodiments of the Pico device, some of them round, some of them thick, some of them thin, some of them, and so on. 
And of course, we work on the usability of these gadgets, the functionality, the do what we want, the security, and we think seriously about the deployability to um, go back to that uh, usability, um, deployability security framework that we developed with Cormac and others. But uh, we should also think about fluffy qualities like making them attractive, making them cool, making them desirable. And as we are designing prototypes, for example, this weird cylindrical shape over here has no functional advantages over the rectangular one. It's harder to manufacture, it's harder to put normal components inside something that's round, but apparently it's cooler. So we have to experiment looking at that just because people like to have that uh, thing more than, than the second one. Uh, we built these models out of plasticine and the first feedback is, ooh, this is heavy. So we, make, we remake the same thing out of a, a lightweight plastic, even though it makes no difference for evaluating things. Well, perhaps they, they don't change shape so easily. But all these things we have to pay attention because the impression you get in the first sub-second matters a lot as to whether you then want to use the stuff or not. Uh, these are prototypes of the Pico siblings, which are the devices you wear so that there's an aura of Frank around Frank. Uh, and we must explore not just what they would accept to wear, but what they would love to wear. Uh, and Janice, in her spare time, designs jewelry as well. This is not the kind of stuff that she would actually do, but the, the flair that you put in to make something that people would actually find uh, they'd want to wear, as opposed to, okay, they'll put up with the wearing, uh, can actually make the whole difference. So we want to turn users from the enemies of Angela's title into fanboys. Uh, they should wear the Pika siblings, not because they haven't yet exceeded their compliance budget, to quote Angela again, uh, but because they love to, because they'd gladly wear them even without having to. Uh, and it's up to us to make the Pico and the Pico siblings desirable. So this workshop is called Security and Human Behavior, and we must pay more attention to the human behavior than to the security. Uh, and whether they like the stuff or not may depend on their gender. Obviously, uh, there's... Uh, things that male designers of gadgets don't realize. For example, that female users of the gadgets that they design don't even have pockets. So some, some of the things that the male designers do don't even make any sense for half of their intended population. So we have to have female designers in the team as well. Uh, age, some of the things that young people think, you know, they're always on Facebook. Some older people don't even see the point. Uh, culture, you know, we are all, to first approximation, uh, whites. Uh, how about uh, moving to somewhere, some other places on the planet? Uh, so we need to make them thirsty, and uh, if we do, and if they actually crave the gadgets that we offer to enhance their security, then users could be security's best advocate. Think of the, the cult-like fanboys of um, gadget makers like Apple. And so making them thirsty is the job of a good salesperson, uh, but it's not at the sales stage, it's back uh, all the way to the design stage. And uh, if we talk about the job of a salesperson, then we go back uh, all the way to the Cialdini book on uh, influence and uh, go back to uh, closing um, together with the first talk and so show that they were actually related after all. So thank you very much to the European Research Council for funding this research. The current uh, team of research associates on PICO and the past and present project students that have worked on this. Thank you very much.